Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. If you remember, kind of where we are in the flow that we, last week, we had a, a guest preacher. He was doing John 13. He talked about how Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Then he tells them that he's leaving and he gives them a new command to love one another. And Peter then, right at the end of chapter 13, he says, oh, well, I'm definitely gonna go with you. Wherever you go, I'm definitely gonna go. And, and, Peter, and Jesus says to him, no, no, you're not. And we're picking up that discussion. So we're kind of coming in right at the beginning as Jesus is gonna talk to his disciples. If you've got a red letter Bible, you'll notice 14, 15, 16, 17. Most of these pages are all red. This is a series of dialogues that Jesus had with his disciples. So read along with me, John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you I was going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. On that day, you'll realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'll come back for you. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded. Come now, let us leave. If you listen to that, if you've been reading along 
and you thought to yourself, wow, that's kind of confusing. Jesus is, uh, he, he, he's, he's kind of, maybe he needs a better debate class or something. Like, what is he saying and why does he keep bringing these things up? You will certainly be forgiven if you find this passage confusing because you've heard me say to you before, these guys, they don't think like we think and they don't talk like we talk and they don't argue like we argue. They don't craft things the way we craft them. My daughter is doing a research paper right now for school and so She's getting all her stuff together and the teacher has explained the format of any research paper. You have an introduction that where you've got to lay out what you're going to talk about and then you have the, the body where you make your argument and then you have your conclusion and the teacher has said to them, and you know, don't just, in your conclusion, don't just restate what you've already told me, right? You need to conclude it. You need to bring it together. You need to wrap things up. You've got an introduction. You've got an argument. You've got a conclusion. That's the way we make arguments. That's the way we explain things. Wow, anybody in this world listening to my daughter's teacher tell her that would think she was crazy. What do you mean you have an introduction, a body, and a conclusion? What? Nobody talks like that. These guys, they talk like this. They make circles. They loop. Look at what Jesus says. He starts out in verse two, and he says, I'm going away, and I'm coming back. And then in verse six, he starts talking about him and the father, how he's in the father and the father's in him. Then look down at the end of verse 12, because I'm going to the father. So now he talks about he's going away again. And then in verse 16, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. Then look in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He talks about going away and coming back. And then after that, in verse 20, he talks about the father again. It says the exact same thing he said last time. I'm in the father, the father's in me. Then in verse 25, he talks about the Holy Spirit again. And then look at verse 28. You've heard me say, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. Yes, yes, we have. That would be the sixth time in this chapter he has said, I'm going away. I'm coming back. Because that's the way you make an argument in this world. You don't just start with an introduction, make an argument, and end. That's crazy. Who's going to remember that? You say things over and over and over. He talks about himself, and he talks about the Father, and he talks about himself, and he talks about the Spirit, and he talks about himself, and he talks about the Father, and he talks about the Spirit, and he talks about himself. And he ends up at the exact same place he started. Because these guys don't do introduction, argument, conclusion. They do introduction, argument, conclusion, inter, uh, argument, introduction. That's the way you tell a story. You loop, you go over things again and again and again. So let's take what Jesus says and let's unspin it. Like let's put it back the way we would argue it. Because we would take everything he says about himself going away and that would be one part of your paper. And then you'd have everything he says about him and the Father, and that'd be the next part. You have everything he says about him and the Spirit. And you'd have an introduction where he starts it, and you'd have a conclusion where he ends it. Let's, just, let's take everything he says, because it's all the same information. Let's just rearrange it. What does Jesus say about himself going away and coming back? Because he sets that up in the very beginning in verses 2 and 3. I'm going away. I'm coming back, he says. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Then I'm going to come back and get you. He just lays out the very basics. Then, notice what he says in verse 12. Again, I'm going away to the Father. 
right? Okay, well, yeah, we, yes, got it. You're going away to the Father. But now he's gonna tell us more because that, that's the way they tell stories. You say something and then you come back and you say it again with a little more information and you go off and you come back and you say it again with a little more information and you go off and you come back and you say it again. You build on it, not all at once. He says, I'm gonna go to the Father and whatever, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, okay, we gotta step away for a moment from, the, from your regularly scheduled sermon because that made perfect sense to them, but it doesn't exist in our world anymore. The only, I was trying to rack my brain. Do we ever do this? The only place I can ever think we do this is on police shows when the policeman says, stop in the name of the law. What, like the law's name's John or something? You know, John commands you in the name of the law, right? That is our, the only version I can think of where we still do this. <clears throat> Because we live in an age of instantaneous communication. If I want to tell Jared to do something, oh, Jared, I left the water on in the baptismal. Will you go turn it off, right? I'm going to call him. It doesn't matter if I'm in this building or I'm in my house a couple miles away. It doesn't matter if I'm on the other side of the planet. I could be in Singapore. I'm just going to wake him up because I'm 12 hours different. But I'm just going to pick up the phone and call him. We live in an age of instantaneous communication. Wow, up until like very recently, that wasn't true. These guys, there's no, I mean, it's months to communicate anything. And so if you are an authority, you have to send people in your name. That means they're coming from you and they're doing what you told them to do and they have your authority to make sure it happens. So I'm sure you've seen the medieval movie, the knight rides up to the castle and what does he say? Open the gates, in the name of the king. What he means is, I just came from the king. The king told me to do this. I have authority to make sure that what happens, the king said, happens. He comes in the name of the king. When Jesus said that to him, they got that because there were Roman soldiers running around and they were doing things in Caesar's name. Stop in Caesar's name. Put that back, put that down. Whatever the soldier ordered you to do, pay your taxes, go home, disperse, come here. It was in Caesar's name, which meant that he had the full authority of the Roman Empire before him and he was doing what Caesar had told him to do. You know, I mean, in their world, of course, you could lie. <laughs> you could make those things up. You could claim to be working for Caesar when really you weren't and lots of people did that. It's harder with Jesus because he kind of knows and sees everything. But Jesus says, ask me for anything in my name. I, I apologize if I'm bursting anybody's bubbles, but that does not mean you can tack in Jesus' name to the end of your prayer and get what you asked for. It's actually the complete opposite of that. It means that you better be praying what Jesus wants you to pray. And you better be praying in his authority, for his kingdom, for what he wants. Now, let me strongly encourage you to tack in Jesus' name on the end of all your prayers, but not so that you get it, so that you remind yourself. I do it. You'll hear me say that pretty much every time I pray. We pray in your name, Jesus, because I'm reminding myself that I pray as your representative. I'm praying for things I think you want. I'm praying for things because you have authority to do this. Absolutely pray in Jesus' name, but understand what you're saying. You're saying, this is what Jesus wants. This is something Jesus wants done. So he says to them, 
You will, I will, you will ask me and I will do anything you ask in my name. Meaning anything you ask that I want done that is within my authority, I will do that. And that ought to make you ask the question, how in the world are we gonna know that? You're gone. How are we gonna know what you want us to do if you're not here? Like that knight that rode up to the castle, he came from the king. If the king's off in France at some king conference or something, he doesn't know what the king wants. He can't come do anything in the king's name. How are they gonna do something in Jesus' name if Jesus isn't there? Look at what Jesus says in 18, next time he comes again. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me? Wait a minute, I thought you were leaving. I mean, that's kind of the definition of leaving, is I can't see you. Like you all, none of you have left. I'm 100% confident of that. I can see you. Jesus says, I'm gonna go away, and you'll still see me. How? Like, how is that possibly going to work? Look at verse 27 again, when he loops back around again. I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving my peace with you. How do you leave peace? I mean, a sword, you could leave a sword, you could leave a plow, you could leave some money in the bank. How do you leave peace with someone? Look at verse 28. Again, you heard me say, I'm going away, I'm coming back. Yes, yes, we did. If you loved me, you'd be glad. I'm leaving you. Think about what's going on. Remember what Thomas said when, a few chapters ago when Jesus was gonna go down to heal Lazarus. Thomas said, well, guys, we might as well go with him so we can all die together. The Jewish authorities are looking for them to kill them. They think they're going to die and Jesus, their leader, is going to leave. And he's like, oh, this is gonna be great. You're gonna love this. No, no, it's not going to be great, not at all. As you read through this, like the way we would read it, if you, if you reorganize it, all of these things he says ought to make you go, how? How is that even possible? Now let's look at the next thing he says, which is about him and the father. And again, he says it twice. He's got it once in 10 and once in 20. And he says the same things. I am in the father. The father is in me. What I say to you, I say from the father, verse 10, verse 20, you'll realize I am in the father. You are in me and I am in you. Right? So he's added something to the end of that. But that is a very bizarre thing to say in his world. Like it's not weird in our world. Because we talk like that. How many movies, right, does the hero finally in the end access something deep within inside him or her to vanquish the villain? Because really, we really do think that inside all of us is a superhero just waiting to get out. If only, if only we can connect to our inner superhero. We say that all the time. When I lived in Africa, I used to, we used to watch the show Blue's Clues. Do you remember that? It's from the early 2000s. Do you remember the theme song? You can be anything that you want to be. I love, my sister would make videotapes of TV shows and send them to us, kids shows. I loved that song because where I lived in Africa, the worldview was, was, was totally futile. It was just like, no, you couldn't be anything. Your life was determined by who your parents were, where you were born, what your ancestors, like you had no choice in your life. You were just stuck. Whatever you were born into, that was your life forever. I loved that we had TV shows that told our kids, you're not stuck. You can be anything you want to be. 
On the other hand, it always bothered me that I was lying so outright to my children because you cannot be anything you want to be, right? I'm going to be the best basketball player since Michael Jordan. My vertical leap is measured in centimeters, okay? It's not going to happen, right? I just physically don't have it. it sometimes we'd like, I can't draw. I've taken classes. You can teach me the technique of drawing, but I can't draw. I don't see it. You can't be anything you want to be. These guys, they're much more like Africans than like us. They don't think you can be anything you want to be. They don't think you have a superhero inside you. They don't think there's untapped potential. For Jesus to say, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, and then you'll, I'll be in you, what? Like, that's just nutty. How is that even possible? Again, as you read this, you already have all these questions in your mind. Like, no, how, how can that be? Now, remember I told you, introduction, argument, conclusion, argument, introduction. When these guys talk, when they give speeches, when they, when they do oration, they, end, they start and they end in the same place. So look at verses one and two. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many rooms. If it were not so, right? He gives this command, don't be troubled. He says, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. It'll be okay, right? Now look at the end. Look at the end of verse 27. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Exact same command. Word for word, do not let your hearts be troubled. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back. He ends exactly the same place he begins because that's what you do in this world. You, you, you bring it back again. You remind your audience at the end of what you were saying at the beginning because your conclusion's in the middle. It's not at the end. For us, the conclusion's at the end. That's the way we're taught to write. That's the way we're taught to argue. If you go to a business meeting here, somewhere in Atlanta, right, and it's scheduled to meet, let's say, at 1 p.m. If you get there at 1 p.m. and you haven't started talking about business by 1.30, wow, you're going to be frustrated. They are wasting your time. If you go most other places in the world and you have a business meeting at 1 p.m., if you've started talking about the business by 1.30, wow, something's gone terribly wrong. These people hate you. They're not offering you tea. They're not asking about your family. You didn't take a siesta. Like, what's wrong. We just have such different views of how to approach things. We, in our world, we value being direct. We value efficiency. We value time. Here's what we need. Boom, 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 boom. They don't, they don't value those things nearly as highly in this world. And so they take a lot longer to make their discussions. They go all the way through just like we would. And then they come all the way back out again. They give you more arguments and they get back to the introduction. The conclusion's in the middle. There's 31 verses in this chapter, all right? So half of that is 15 and a half. Look at verses 15 and 16. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That's the conclusion. That's where all of this is going Everything Jesus is saying, all this crazy stuff about you're still going to see me and I'm going to leave you peace and you're going to do things in my name because you know what I want. All that is going towards these verses where Jesus says, you will have another advocate. 
Advocate's a cool word. If you read it in a different translation, it might say helper. Uh, it might say counselor. It might say comforter. It might even say, if you're reading like one of the really literal ones, paraclete. Because that's the word John uses, a paraclete. I've told you this language loves to jam little words together to make big words. A para means beside. We still use it that way today, para. And clete is from kaleo, meaning to call. This is someone called to your side. Why do you call someone to your side? What are they going to do? Well, it can mean a ton of stuff. It can mean, you know, they come to encourage you. They come alongside you to encourage you. It can, in legal terms, it's like the defense the defense attorney for you. It's someone who's gonna support your case in a law court. But you know, sometimes what you really need is a good swift kick in the pants and this person will do that as well. They're going to do whatever you need. It's not necessarily that they're gonna be super encouraging. It's not necessarily they're gonna rebuke you, although they might do either or both. But they're gonna do what you need. Jesus says, God's gonna send another Because he was the first one. He was the first one with them doing what they needed for them. God's gonna send them another one. Now again, let's unspin this. Let's put all the Holy Spirit stuff together. What's this this spirit going to do? The spirit, he says first, it's going to be an advocate. And we said what that means. He's gonna be with you forever. As opposed to Jesus, who's gonna go away for a while and then come back. This guy's never gonna go away, he says. He's the spirit of truth, verse 17. Remember, that's important. Remember we read in John 3, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and Jesus says, look, there's evil people doing evil things and there's, and it's not good people doing good things, it's honest people. There's evil people and there's honest people. There's truthful people. This is the spirit of truth. You need to be truthful, and that's the only way you're ever going to come to God. It's the only way you're ever going to grow, right? That, that's what every 12-step, 8-step, whatever process will tell you. What's the very first step you need to change? you got to admit you have a problem. You need truth. This is the spirit of truth that's going to come to us, Jesus says. Now go on to 26, which is the second part of what he says, because, you know, he's got to loop a couple times and talk about other stuff. It's the advocate. Yep, got that. He's just repeating what he said before. The Holy Spirit. Not the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He's he's telling us more about the spirit. Whom the Father will send in my name. The spirit knows what Jesus wants done. The spirit knows what Jesus has been authorized by the Father to do in this world. Because he comes in Jesus' name. How are we going to know? Because we have the spirit. You know, if I said to you, uh, um, hey, the, you know, the, 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 the heater in classroom four isn't working, please go fix that. Do you know anything about fixing heaters, right? In my name, go fix the heater. Does that help you at all? <laughs> you need someone who knows how to fix heaters. Go with Jared and help him fix the heater. Okay, you can do that. You can go with somebody, How are we going to do these things in Jesus' name? Because we have a spirit that it comes in Jesus' name. He knows all these things. He says that the spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. How are we going to, how are we still going to see Jesus when he's gone? The spirit is going to show him to us. How are we going to know what Jesus wants? The spirit can tell us. 
How? All these things Jesus says, we're gonna see him, we're gonna know his will, we're gonna be loved by him, we're gonna have peace, we're even gonna be glad he's gone. How are all those things gonna work? The spirit, that's where this whole passage drives to. Another helper to come alongside us so that we can do and we have all of these things. Jesus leaves us the spirit. And I think that's really good news. Yep, he left. He'll come back one day. He hasn't come back yet. We are still in the midst of those verses. You heard me say, I'm going away and I am coming back to you. We live right in the middle of that verse. I am going away. The end I am coming back hasn't happened yet. But in the meantime, we have the Holy Spirit to tell us, to teach us, to help us, to encourage us, to rebuke us, to do whatever it is. He's an advocate. Whatever it is we need for our good, that's what the Spirit is gonna do. That's really good news if you're a Christian. So how do we get this? How do we access it? Because I bet if I asked you, if you're a follower of Christ, if I asked you, is this true for you? Do you feel like you see Jesus? You know his will. Do you feel, like, do you feel loved by him? Do, do you feel peace? Are you glad that he went away? I'm betting most of you would say, ah, sometimes, maybe, not really. What do we do? Because the Father sends the Spirit. It's not us. We don't send the Spirit. What does it say we do? Again, go back to the conclusion. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. That could also be translated, since you love me. I told you, when you, whenever you say if in this world, you gotta say whether you think it's true or not. And Jesus says, if you love me, and you do. You do love me, he says. Since you love me, keep my commands. He says that in 15, look down at verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Look down in verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's what we do. In this whole process of God bringing us the spirit, sending us another helper to do all these things that we need that we can't do for ourselves, our part of that is obedience. And look at the very end. Look what Jesus says in verse 31. He comes that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. In other words, this is how Jesus lived his life. He loved God and he obeyed him. And because he loved him and he obeyed him, he knew all these things. He had access to God because of this. And he says to his followers, you do the same thing. Now again, he doesn't say it the way we'd say it. He says it the way they say things. He says, you be like me. You love me and obey me and the spirit will come and connect all these things to you. So why don't we see that in our lives? Now, let me just say, this is not the only place that teaches on the Holy Spirit. There's tons of places in Scripture that teaches on the Holy Spirit. Whole books have been written about the Holy Spirit. This is not an exhaustive teaching on the Holy Spirit. But it is the first time that Jesus has talked about him. This is the beginning. This is what everything hinges on. If you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of the others. What do we do as part of the Spirit coming into our lives? We obey we do what Jesus has told us to do. If you don't see evidence of the Spirit in your life, there's two possibilities. One is, you're not a Christian because the Spirit's only given to Christians. Just because you sit here doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you grew up in a church doesn't make you a Christian. You're a Christian when you do what Tim said to Joey. Do you believe this? Do you believe Jesus came to earth, lived, died for you, and rose again? If you believe that, Scripture says, 
then you are a follower of Christ and he has given you his spirit. Like it hasn't happened yet for these guys, but it does at Pentecost. It happens now. If you are a follower of Christ, scripture says you have God's spirit. One possibility if you don't see it is because you're not a Christian, but hey, today's a good day. I mean, the baptismal's still full, right? You can become a Christian and get baptized. I guarantee you, Tim will happily put his wet clothes on and go back in there if you wanna become a Christ follower this afternoon. The other option is you're not obeying because the Spirit's here to teach you. You ever taught anybody that won't do what you say? Wow. One of the most, maybe the most frustrating things of 20 years in IT work before I became a pastor was the number of people who asked me for help. I showed them how to do it and they said, I'm not gonna do that. How come I can't just push this button? Well, because the computer's not psychic and it can't read your mind. I just, want, I just want to get this information out of the database. Well, then you got to tell the database. I just want to be able to push the button and have it tell me these things. Yeah, the whole brain to computer transfer, we haven't got that working yet. I would teach people, you want to know how many this happened at this time? Here's how you do it, right? Here's how you ask the computer that question. Oh, I'm not going to remember that. There are things more frustrating than that, <laughs> but not a lot. To have someone ask you something, you teach them, and then they refuse. And then they come to you again and ask you again. I need to know this number. I need to know how many emails were sent to this person. I need to know how this happened. It's in the database. I showed, I told you how to do it. I don't remember, show me again. Which is code for, you do it, I'll just get the information. How often, when that happens to you, do you keep teaching them? If you're not obeying, don't expect to see the Spirit do all the things that the Spirit promises to do. Because if he tells you and you don't do it, how many times does he have to keep telling you before he says, you know what, you come back to me when you're serious. When you're actually willing to obey. You know, Jesus, the Spirit, they're not interested in being your counselor. They're not interested in giving you advice. Jesus is your Lord, you come in the na- that knight that rides in in the name of the king, the king is his lord. The king doesn't tell him something and the knight says, I'll take that under advisement, your majesty. I might want to do that someday. If Jesus isn't your lord, if he doesn't get to tell you what to do, if you don't obey him, do not be surprised that the other helper doesn't help you because you don't want that. You don't want help obeying Jesus. You don't want help Jesus being your Lord. You just want advice. You want a counsel. You want someone you can think about and decide. This is what we do. This is our part of accessing the Spirit. Again, we're going to learn more. He's going to talk a lot more about the Spirit as we go through John, and there's lots of other places in Scripture. But this is where it starts. If you're not obeying, you're not going to see it. So my question to you, is there anywhere in your life that you know you're not obeying? Okay, I'm not talking about the edge cases, things you're not sure of. I get all that. Is there any place in your life where you know, God wants me to do this, but I'm going to do this. God wants me to stop doing this, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not talking about failing over and over and over again. That is the normal human condition. Because God says, stop this, and I say, yep, absolutely, I got to stop that. And then I fail. And God says, stop this. And I say, yes, absolutely, I must stop this. And then I fail. I'm talking about when God says, stop this, and you say, no, 
I'm not going to stop that. If there's any place where that's true for you, you need to change if you want to see the spirit at work in your life. Because you're not going to otherwise. That's where this all begins. Since you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. They're linked. They're together. And Jesus says, this is how I live my life. You be like me. He's not asking us to do anything that he also didn't do. He obeyed. Wow. (laughs) He obeyed all the way up to nails through him on a piece of wood, and he died. Now, given that we're all sitting here alive, God hasn't asked that of any of us yet. But he could. We probably all know people where he has. Is Jesus your Lord? We baptize people, Savior and Lord. If he is, then you need to obey. And if you do, you'll begin to see this in your life. Because Jesus says, to him who has, more will be given. And to him who doesn't have, even what he does have, I'm going to take away. Because why should he bother if you're not obeying? So I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask the Spirit to talk to us, and I'm going to ask him to talk to us hard if necessary. I'm going to ask him to talk to us severely if necessary. Is there any place in your life where you know you're being disobedient? If so, tell it to God. I mean, God already knows it. It's not like you're telling him something he doesn't already know. Tell it to him. Confess it. Confess means say the same thing. Say the same thing as God. God says this is wrong. Agree with him. Say you're right. This is wrong. Ask him to help you. Commit yourself to obedience. Knowing full well you're going to fail. We all do. Jesus is the only one who never did. If the Spirit says anything to you, then say, yes, absolutely. You, Jesus, you are my Lord. I will obey you. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, Lord, Jesus. Um, I confess, we confess. Um, we don't obey. I, I, I call you Lord. You even said this in one of your stories. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And then you don't do what I say. I readily confess that's me in places, Lord Jesus. That's my brothers and sisters in this room. We call you Lord Jesus. But really what we mean is counselor Jesus or assistant co-pilot Jesus. But it's my plane and I'll fly it wherever I want, thank you. Lord, forgive us. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you would speak to all of us, speak to me, speak to everybody in this room. If there are places where we are not being obedient. We are openly in rebellion against you. We know what is right, but we will not do it or stop doing it. Spirit, speak to us. Speak to us hard. Speak to us loudly. Don't give us any excuse to say, oh, I never knew that. Jesus, please. We we want to see these things in our lives. We so want to know what you desire of us. We so want to have peace. We so want to have joy and gladness, even though you haven't returned yet. We so want to see you, even though you've gone. We want the things that your spirit offers. Lord, if there's anywhere that any of us are not obeying, tell us, speak to us loudly so we know. As I pray now, speak to us. As we take communion, speak to us. As we sing again at the end of the service, speak to us, Lord. We so desperately need you to convict us. If there's any place that any of us are willfully disobeying you, Lord, tell us so we can repent. So we can say back to you, yes, this is true. Please forgive me. Because you already have Thank you. 
Lord, thank you. Thank you that you forgave us unconditionally at the cross. You forgave us before any of us were born because you were kind and you were good and you knew full well we'd take advantage of that, but you did it anyway. Thank you. Spirit, speak to us. Even if we've not been obedient and we've not paid attention to you and you've taught us in the past and we've ignored you, we are listening now, today, here. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Teach us so we can obey. We pray this in your name, Jesus. We pray everything in your name because we believe you want this too. This is what your word says. Amen.